0: Welcome to the Ordinary Pastor Podcast with C.J. Mahaney. This podcast is devoted to helping ordinary pastors with the extraordinary privilege of serving God's people in their local church. And now, here is C.J. with your host, Mickey Connolly.
1: Guys, welcome back to the Ordinary Pastor Podcast. We, last month, talked about preaching and the theology of preaching. If you missed it, I would encourage you strongly to go back and listen to it. But uh, today, have C.J. and Jeff with me again and we want to talk about sermon preparation. But I want to begin with just kind of a broader question, and I want to, uh, CJ, you to start out on this one. How do you decide what to preach? You've been at this for a long time. You want to uh, have a, a preaching diet in the church. How do you think that through? Yeah, that's a great
0: question. Uh, well, for me, I want to begin with Conversing with the elders of the church, talking to them about what books of the Bible uh, they recommend and why. I, th- I think, I don't know who said this, but uh, someone said, you, you don't get your sermons from your people, but you do get them with your people. Uh, and I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. So I, I, I want the decision about a book of the Bible to be from the pastoral team. I want to be able to say to the church that the the, the pastors have discussed, prayed, and, and we thought for these reasons this book would best serve our church in this next season of time. And as pastors are talking to one another, we should be drawing from our interaction with members of the church. Actually, one of the things that concerns me, particularly for uh, younger pastors, is the when, when you have access to what's going on, social media, broader evangelicalism. I, I, I've been in contexts where I'm listening to a sermon, and my thought is, you know, I actually think this sermon is more informed by what's happening in broader evangelicalism than what's happening in this particular church. So a pastor needs to know well the condition of his flock a pastoral team needs to know well the condition of their flock uh, so that flock can be effectively served by the choice of which book of the bible to teach um, rather than primarily aware of of what's going on in broader evangelicalism so that uh you know pastor it's possible for a pastor to be uh, giving a message to <laughs> to people actually who aren't Don't present exist. yet, no, that's exactly right, they, they are not serving the people in, right in front of them who they love, uh, who the Lord has temporarily entrusted to them. They're actually speaking to an imaginary audience and, and we very much want to avoid that yes. in our
2: preaching. Yes. Yeah, I think that's that's great. I, I, another probably obvious consideration, but it's certainly one we take into account as as elders as we're thinking about series, is is variety. And that's that's not a superficial consideration. That's not a pragmatic uh, consideration. It's just a recognition. Different different genres carry forth truth in different ways. Uh, different portions of Scripture obviously address different things. So mm-hmm. it's really an expression of confidence in God's Word. Yep. Um, different parts of, of of the Bible, different uh, uh, books, different, uh, from different authors. That you know mm-hmm. they sh- we're we're displaying for them God's saving works which mm-hmm. find their yeah. climax in the work of Christ and so those different genres show us different dimensions of God's saving work and so on a practical level we we don't have Sort of a slavish adherence to well, uh, we've got to do New Testament, then Old Testament, then New Testament, then Old Testament. But we do; we are wanting to cover both testaments yep. uh, with an accent on the new, mm-hmm. uh, because right. there we see most clearly, most explicitly, uh, the uh, you know God's saving work in Christ in the gospel. Uh, we are we are very sensitive to different genres, mm-hmm. uh, different authors. Uh, we, we're doing. We're going through Titus now. We haven't done a Pauline epistle since I think the first series of the church. I think that's we true. We did Philippians. Yep. Yep. Um, so we we are yep. paying attention to those kind of things, even as we're seeing what contributions would this book make uh, to our church at this particular time. Mm-hmm. What needs does it address? Right. Uh, so we're we're sensitive to, as CJ said, to needs in our church. Uh, we're also sensitive in, to what contributions different books make, mm-hmm. and uh, so we typically, from a practical standpoint, we typically narrow it down. We're looking at two yep. or three. Yep. What do you guys always saying? some finalists? And we'll, yep. go, we'll go back. <laughs> yep. and, we'll go back and forth. Yep. And it's just been wonderful to see the Lord lead us, and then in the midst of that series to hear yes. people say, "Oh, I'm loving James," yes, or yes. "I'm you know I'm loving yeah. uh, the First Gospel Peter. of Mark," yes. or you know yeah. whatever it is, yeah. and, and we just see yeah, so. uh, the wisdom of God, the faithfulness of God in leading us. Doesn't get any better than and, that. Uh, and the effect of God's word uh,
0: upon His people. It's, it's, yes.
2: What a what an adventure it is. Yep. Yes.
0: Yeah, wonderful. Is. And then we, what we've tried to do, and I think it has served our folks, is that in between uh, books of the Bible, we try to Pepper throughout the year, a study in Psalms. Yeah, that's a great and idea. Our goal is over a number of years to uh, preach from all 150. Yes, yeah.
2: So rather than staying in yeah. Psalms for 10 years, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes, uh, we're 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 <laughs> yes. knocking it out in uh, three yes. week, four week yes. increments, yep. and uh, yeah. that's been great. It has yep. been, and it's even there, we're as looking well. as. as would. We're looking yeah. at different kinds of psalms, Right. Uh, you know, laments and Thanksgiving yep. psalms and so forth. So yep. it's, it's great. Been really great huge. idea. Let's yes. move on. We'll let yes. him say it here. Jeff, yes,
1: um, you had this little phrase that it just every time I'm preparing a sermon, it just is in my mind. Intended redemptive effect. Yeah. Speak to intended yeah. redemptive yeah. effect. Please. Yeah, yeah. By, by that
2: phrase, it, it, it's simply uh, is it, simply speaking of. I think I define it something like this. that the, you know, What is the, the functional transformative effect this text is meant to have uh, in the believer's life individually or the church's life corporately? And, and so behind that is the theology of the word that we, we spoke about uh, last time. Um, you know, God's word is given to us. Uh, for a purpose. God rules us by his word. He changes us by his word. He speaks to us and comforts us and encourages us by his word. So every, every text of scripture is on a mission. Uh, I think the last time we mentioned Isaiah 55 11, you know, so shall my word be which comes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it'll accomplish the purpose for which I sent it. So every time I preach, I have to determine, all right, what mission is this text on? Mm-hmm. What does yeah, God excellent. want to get done in our lives in this text? Um, so I, we're all in the process of of being shaped by God's, God's word. I think also of Colossians 1, 28, where Paul's talking about his ministry and he says, him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And so every week, you know, God's word is doing that. It's shaping, it's, it's honing, it's transforming and, and being, we're all being completed by God's word. So this week, this text, it has a role to play in that process. For me, that that's virtually everything. Mm-hmm. Um, when you know, because you're basically saying, all right, what's the point yeah. of this text of scripture? What's Good. it trying to get Good. done in our lives? What what claim does it place on our lives? What is it seeking to do in our lives? What is it eliciting from our lives? That determines. The topic of my sermon that determines the purpose of my sermon that determines the application for my sermon. It's, it's it sets the the applicatory mm-hmm. trajectory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, sure. I mean, it's everything. And I, I you know I tell guys in, in homiletics I I have no idea what I'm going to preach until I have discovered that dimension of the text, uh, and, and it focuses me. It it keeps my sermons. And I think this is where we can be vulnerable. Uh, it keeps my sermons from being just information mm. obviously there's content there's truth in our messages there's information there to be sure but that truth is is not just given for our knowledge that truth is meant to have an effect on my life. Um, And so it it also keeps me faithful. I'm I'm treating God's word for what it is. It's not a book with information that I master and I download data upon people and I show my eloquence. No, this this truth is given to rule us, to, to woo us, to transform us, to motivate us, to encourage us and sustain us. So unless I determine what that dimension of the text mm. what god is intending to get done by his spirit in this particular text of scripture i i'm not if i don't determine that i'm not being faithful mm. to that text of scripture and i will not preach that text of scripture faithfully so i mean for me it's just it's it's everything
0: yeah and and that's a very good answer by jeff he gave even a better answer though in england so if you can find your way nathan smith had a pastor's day and Led a QA, and I think Jeff's answer that day was even better than that very good answer today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry
0: that you know, I uh, no, I'm i jealous you? that people benefit yeah, from I'd, both. both, yes, we'll I don't, try find, find.
1: don't need to. Could you that. try yeah. to do better, please? Yeah, yeah. Uh, i do my best. You know, I'm just here trying to serve. No,
0: doing my best.
1: Uh, that's great.
0: Um. So you're, we're looking for the storyline of the Bible in the text in order to accurately and appropriately convey it to those we love. Yeah, we're... we're Accurate?
2: Lo- we're, we are. We're yep. locating... That text in the storyline of yeah, scripture right. for sure. What role, what contribution is it making? I actually think uh, you're thinking of a different question. Is that um, right?
1: <laughs> Why don't you ask yeah. to be, and then answer well, it yourself. To, <laughs> yeah. to be honest, yes. I, I think it Let's might be just different. leave and let, yeah. he'll just ask and then answer I think it. I think it might be, I think it might I be, might be thinking of a different question. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> oh, do you mean in England? Yes. Yeah. I think you may okay. be thinking of a different question. Okay. That um, could be. Yeah. There, I, I, what was the question? I believe we were talking about um, appropriately cre- preaching Christ. Yes, from from the Bible. Yes, and we that has become because of the contribution yeah. of a number of wonderful men and writers and preachers right. that has become commonplace now among evangelicals. Preach Christ from the Scripture. Uh, pre- preaching Christ from every text of Scripture. Gospel centered preaching. Uh, wonderful. How do you do it? Uh, it's, it's often easier said than done, and it's often done mm-hmm. inappropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, the old cliche was attributed to Spurgeon, although I'm not sure Spurgeon said it, you know, did not. preach the yep. text or introduce the text right. and make a beeline for Christ. Right. Um, the impulse behind that may be good, but the, the practice of that uh, can be done. It, it can be inappropriate, it can be wrong, it can distort text. We're trying to locate mm-hmm. texts appropriately. And so right. uh, what we were talking about there was, if I recall, we, you know, there's different ways to do that. Different texts g- reveal Christ differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, different texts um, point us uh, to Christ differently. And so, for instance, there are some texts that uh, where I, I sort of have two categories in my mind. S- some texts make a or play a more redemptive historical role. In other words, they play a very specific role in the storyline of scripture, in the unfolding drama of redemption that finds its culmination in Christ. And so if I'm in the Old Testament, maybe I'm in a narrative, maybe in the conquest or something like that, I have to understand, all right, where in that unfolding narrative, in the storyline of scripture, where does this text come? When I locate that and I see what God is doing there, uh, in the history, uh, then I can look up and say, all right, how do I get, you know, how does this text point me to the gospel? How does this yes, text point me? Uh, what contribution is it making? Some texts have that redemptive historical role. Other texts don't so much move the storyline of Scripture forward. And those you might think of as having a redemptive theological role. And so those texts aren't so much hmm. uh, showing the unfolding purposes of God but they they show us the uh, dimensions of of ourselves and the the, the nature mm-hmm. of God mm-hmm. and the nature of ourselves that that show why the gospel or how the gospel impinges upon those things and so we mm-hmm. might have a text that that reveals the holiness of God well if the holiness of God is is that which requires the cross or we may you know have some old testament narrative that is just you know, it just shows you know, horrific effects of sin, and you think, "What? Mm-hmm. What do I do with this? This is just a disgusting story." Well, mm-hmm. uh, it shows the depths of our human depravity that calls for the cross. For instance, uh, or maybe we see a text that speaks of the mercy of God or the love of God, and all those things. All of those things find their greatest expression in the gospel. And so, there, we're not so much—it's not so much moving the story forward that culminates in Christ, but it's showing those kind of the, I think I heard someone say this one time, sort of the raw materials of the gospel. Uh, They come into play the the holiness of God, the sinfulness of man, the mercy of God in the cross, etc, etc. So um, those thoughts are very important when we're seeking to be to faithfully
0: proclaim Christ from every from every text of Scripture. Yeah, Packer said that if the expositor finds himself out of sight of Calvary, that shows he's lost his way. So we want there to be, depending on the text, uh, the appropriate citing from the text, but we are not imposing on the text <laughs> a citing <laughs> that isn't present in the text. Yes. So a, a, a pastor isn't isn't a magician, and, and people shouldn't be left thinking, oh, how did he do that? <laughs> um, and I, I can't improve personally on what Brian Chappell wrote in his Fine, fine book. Christ-centered preaching. He said, in its context, every passage possesses one or more of four redemptive foci. Every text is predictive of the work of Christ, preparatory for the work of Christ, reflective of the work of Christ, and or resultant of the work of Christ. That's on page one seventy or
1: two seventy-five of that fine book. Excellent. Oh, excellent. Uh, Jeff, you've. Um, made it rightly a, a big deal of proposition statements, which has a lot to do with finding the intended effect. And sp- speak to the importance of proposition statements. And how do you typically think them through? Come up? Do you get them at the beginning? Do you get them at the end? Speak to that a little bit.
2: Yeah, it's it's something that you see in all homiletics textbooks. You know, the big idea in Haddon Robinson's text. So um, Stott's text speaks of this, Chapel's text speaks of this. It, you know, the, the idea is just simply being able to, to crystallize in, in a statement uh, that uh, the, 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 the thrust of a text, its, it's content and claim, um, what the text is saying and how it's meant to affect us or what the text is saying and what we're supposed to do in response. Um, and, and so I, I do think it is something that uh, is is incredibly important uh, if we don't w- whether we give a proposition statement in that form every single time or not. I think the exercise of of forcing us to to extract from this text what is it saying, what is it trying to get done in our lives, what's its claim, uh, how do we respond, uh, the, you know those dimensions of the text and being able to to isolate those. If if you can't do that, if you can't do that succinctly, then I would question how well you really understand the text or how well you're able to articulate uh, the point of that text. So I make guys do it in in homiletics courses, and more often than not, I am doing it too. It's not something I Mm -hmm. tell guys in class to do and I don't do. uh, Because you you want, we have to realize, one of the the things that that... uh, I want to call it a technique, that particular tool does. It honors the fact that we're operating, we're not operating in preaching, we're not operating in a written environment, we're not operating in a visual environment, we're operating in an oral environment, we're for our listeners, an oral environment, they're listening, and so they haven't spent mm-hmm. 20 hours in sermon prep, uh, they're not looking at mm-hmm. our notes, They're 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 happy to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> maybe they're happy that you know they found both of their children's shoes on the way from Sunday school to the meeting. Um, you know they're they're just they're just there. Uh, they're 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 leaning forward. You know they they love God. They're wanting to hear God's word, but they, but you know they're not engaged in the text like we are. And so we want to make the truth of God's word as accessible as possible. Something like a proposition statement does that. It makes the truth. It's a moment. It's mm-hmm. supposed to be a moment where, mm-hmm. not where people are. Are furling their eyebrows, thinking, "Hmm, what does that mean?" It's it's the moment where it's just the truth just becomes crystal clear. It's like, ah, oh, I get that. Yes, okay that 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 that's compelling. That has to do with me. Uh, this is relevant for me. If we're able to present that, uh, it, it it can it can really bring uh, not only help to people in grasping mm-hmm. the point of attacks, but it also helps us yeah. in, in crystallizing. In focusing uh, the,
0: the point of the text for us. yeah. And let me just add in relation to what we were talking about just previous. What, what we want is those we have the privilege to serve to be awakening on Sunday and coming to the gathering anticipating that no matter where we find ourselves in scripture, there will be the appropriate sighting of that hill called Calvary. No matter how obscure the text seems to be, uh, they have that anticipation in their hearts that we are going to be appropriately proclaiming the gospel from that passage uh, to their hearts, and they can anticipate that each and every Sunday. Yeah. Amen.
1: Yeah. Um, all right, Jeff, one more just quick fa- practical on a proposition, and then we'll pick this up next time. When do you generally do you do you try to think of that right at the very beginning of your prep at the end of your prep
2: yeah i i am i'm sorry i mean from the moment i'm i know what text i'm preaching from i'm already thinking about that okay um now i will do my text work Mm -hmm. as sort of a first step but i i get out a sheet of paper and i've got I draw about five columns on it. It's just a little habit I've gotten into. And one of those columns has has over it I R E that intended redemptive effect slash prop. And so I'm all I start jotting down ideas. What is this text trying to get done? What's its point? And then I might start formulating proposition statements. And I might write down. Before I'm through, I might write down 10 of them or 15 of them. And because it takes me, because I, I want to shave off extraneous words. I want that to be distilled. I, I might write one down and say, okay, that's not it, but there's a phrase here, or that word, I'm going to use that word. That word works, that phrase works. So I, I start at the very beginning. And when I'm interpreting a text, from, from the moment I'm, I'm doing my exegesis, I'm already thinking towards that. Um, Although, you know, my final arrival of it is going to be, you know, it may come a little later. I will say this, though, I'm typically not, for me, other people may do this differently, but I'm not, I'm not developing my sermon. I'm certainly not writing out my detailed notes until I have that. Because that sets the trajectory for everything else I'm doing. and I want everything else I'm saying to be subordinate to that. If that really is the main idea of the text, yes. uh, what I don't want it to become is one of many main ideas in the text. And so I, I want to make sure that the development of the sermon is subordinate to that. It's it's arguing for it, or it's supporting it, or it's showing dimensions of it, and so forth. So it's it governs the the, the rest of my sermon prep. Yeah. So, so getting have have it the,
1: early, go, yeah, govern. That's a good word. Yeah. Governs yeah. your prep, and it and it kind of forces you. Uh, along a wise line excellent and if
0: you're well on your way our pastors attend the homiletics class one and two this is what they will learn in an unhurried way and in detail and it will serve them
1: in their sermon prep amen yes it will all right gentlemen thank you for listening and we're going to pick up this theme of sermon preparation next month